So in C. McBee Reads, I accept things that have been sent in by listeners, viewers, and I read them. And I give my, my wonderful color commentary. And this is a very interesting concept. Someone sent me speed dating for women. Ask these fun 10 best questions. I, it's an interesting idea. I think the problem is if I answer these questions honestly, the answer is going to be pretty lame because a lot of it's going to be like, no, I don't think that or no, I don't believe that. But it, it is worth looking at or trying. Now, it has an intro. It says, should you take the chance at your next speed dating event by asking funny, quirky, offbeat questions? Sure. That's a good answer because if you said no, then there'd be no reason to continue. Sure, because you'll be self-confident with these questions on your phone which I found an interesting idea because speed dating event, the whole point is to get to know another person in a limited amount of time as quickly as possible and sort of break through a lot of the crap that we actually put up with. But they're like, no, 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 pre-plan the crap and keep it on your phone. So don't engage with your partner, the person you're actually there to talk to. Look at your phone. And we've, we've thought up the questions for you. So just follow these phone, these, these prompts on your phone. They'll answer. Don't even listen to the answer. It's irrelevant. Just look for the next question on your phone and then they'll know what kind of person you are because you suck. Now, I clearly was never going to be a speed dating kind of person in the first place. But I actually used speed dating questions in a lesson I did once because it was early in the year and it was a young group and I was like, here's questions that they had to explain the concept of speed dating because they don't have that in Japan. Uh, they do an interesting thing in Japan. They have group dates. So it'll be like three, four girls and three, four guys, usually kind of from different companies or different social circles. And they get together and they have a group date where they all just talk to each other in the hopes that, you know, two or uh, four of them sort of hit it off and become, you know, go off on real dates. So there's formulated dating customs all over the world. So it has a list of 10 questions. And those 10 questions then have sort of subcategories. So I'm just going to go straight. Um, number one, oh, what makes you laugh? And, and the, 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 there's a sort of a note under it. It says, start out funny and let him make you laugh. <laughs> so put the onus on him. Make him do all the work. Don't be funny. Make him make you laugh. And if he fails, cut. So start out funny and let him make you laugh actually is wrong because there's a presumption there that he will make you laugh or that somehow you're starting out funny. Anyways, what's your best joke? Well, the best joke is speed dating. You can see immediately why I would not be successful at speed dating because I would look down on this whole concept of how to get to know another human being. Uh, when's the last time you laughed so you spit out your drink? That's actually never happened to me since I was like a kid. So I actually can't remember because as an adult, if you make me laugh, I would actually stop, swallow what I'm doing, and then laugh. I, I haven't spit out my drink. Do you want to hear my favorite joke? No, I don't. Although, that actually leaves the question asker in this scenario, in a, in a place. Because they haven't provided you with your favorite joke. So do you want to hear my favorite joke? And the answer is going to be yes, of course. Uh, it is speed dating, though. So this joke has to be short and like, it has to be crisp. It has to be like right down to the point. Core, and it has to be like no fat. Uh, I... My favorite jokes are all about having sex with animals. And it's because just, to me, the concept of having sex with an animal is just inherently funny. Um, but then the jokes are mediocre at best. So f to make it funny for me, not for the listener, to make it funny for me, I extend the length of the jokes so they're about 15, 20 minutes long. 
like a full podcast, I could do one joke. One of these had sex with animal jokes. And I'll add in like tangents and other stuff and, and background on the characters and whatnot. Uh, and it's it's just painful for other people. I now just did think of a joke I really enjoyed, which, again, it's not my joke. And that's the problem. My favorite jokes and stuff probably are from comedians, and I'm not going to deliver it with the same quality. So I wouldn't actually want to repeat those ghosts, uh, those jokes. I would actually want to maybe show you my favorite joke on my phone delivered by a professional. So this is tough. What's your best joke? I Yes, I would maybe tell one. Um, I'm sure it would be offensive to a huge segment of the population. Uh, and that would, that would blow my chances. So you need something really innocent and innocuous that's still sort of funny, but then you've lost all that because it's all been pre-packaged and arranged for you. Uh, I am not a big fan of this as a start. It's actually a lot of pressure. If you walk up to someone and be like, say something funny, it's almost impossible for them to say something funny. All right, number two. Are you the same guy I met aboard the Star Trek? Now, I initially thought like, oh, this is painful because, again, this is prepackaged for you. This person maybe has never seen Star Trek, doesn't know what Star Trek is. They're trying to give you something maybe to work with. And it actually, the under, underneath, it says, for the geeky types. Are you the same guy I met aboard Aboard the Star Trek, if you actually know what Star Trek is, that doesn't make sense because aboard the Star Trek uh, demonstrates that you don't actually know what Star Trek is. Now, there is actually a secondary thing where this would show you a very interesting aspect of the person you're talking to. So if you said that to me, are you the same guy I met aboard the Star Trek? I'd go, ah, you know, uh, Star Trek's not really a ship or no, because I've never been on the Star Trek. I might just actually let it go. But if you purposefully put a factual error into one of the questions, what you would actually be testing for psychologically is how is this going to how is this person going to talk to me when I make a mistake? So if you say, "Are you the same guy I met aboard the Star Trek?" and he goes, "Oh, the Star Trek is a TV show. It's a series." And then he explains like the different ep- the different series like it's like Next Generation and Deep Space 9 and stuff. And he talks down to you you know that he's pedantic and every aspect of your life together would be ruled by that pedantry. Uh, that if you got something factually incorrect, he would look down on you. Now, right now he thinks you're an idiot. But that also shows he cares more about something like fictional like Star Trek than the actual person that's sitting across from him. My wife in real life is not a big fan of science fiction. So she, if she makes a mistake, I don't look down on her. She's not interested in it. So it would really be a great way to find out if the guy you're dating is some kind of nerdy asshole, not just a nerd, because we've all met those nerds who think that the fictional universes they love, being factually accurate in those, makes them somehow more intelligent than real people in real life who maybe just don't have an interest in that factual universe. So actually, I like this question for a different reason than I think it's being proposed in this list. So then it has two sub-questions like Captain Kirk or Picard, Who's the best Starfleet captain in your opinion? Uh, if you know they're into Star Trek. So again, you need to find out um, if they're into that first. Where would you have wanted to go if you'd been on the Enterprise? And that is, again, a bit of a misnomer. Because do you mean where do I want to go on the Enterprise? Or where do, where do I want to go that the Enterprise could take me? 
So <laughs> now you've hit the level of pen, pedantry I have, whereas I actually need to clarify everything so I can answer honestly, uh, which is, I'm sure, super annoying at times where I sit there and clarify and clarify and clarify. But the reason I do that is because I argue with a lot of pedantic people. Um, and a lot of times their views, usually mistaken because they're disagreeing with me, their views are based on uh, concepts that they've never defined. So a lot of times you need to define what people are talking about before you can actually have the argument. And so you have to kind of define terms and stuff. And it, what that actually does is it stops them from shifting goalposts, which is another arguing tactic you have to be aware of. But we're not doing that right now. We're on our speed date. We're having a good time. Uh, apparently, whoever's just spoken to me has left. I mean, they're, they're done with this. So number three, would you mind if my mom joined us on a date? And then underneath it says, just for fun to see his reaction. But then there's a question of, uh, am I going to take the things you say seriously or not? So you could get a guy who says no, which actually says like he's not even open to uh, uh, something that's in modern times unusual. My actual problem with this isn't the mom coming on the date. It's do I like your mom? So let's say you and I have an initial connection. We like each other. I would be happy to go on a date with you. If you include another person, what if I don't like that person? So here it has the sub versions. It's, do you mind if my little brother comes along on our first date? My parents believe in chaperoning my dates. Do you mind? I actually wouldn't want to go on a date that's chaperoned without meeting the chaperone first. Because maybe uh, they're great and fun and we hang out and we have a good time and we talk. Because if I went out with a woman and her mother, I would actually be concerned about making it fun for both of them. I wouldn't want to do something that was fun for me and the girl or the lady. I would want to have something that was fun for me and the lady and her mom. So I actually think if you were serious about that, I would want to have, let's say, just afternoon tea and talk to your mom. And it would give me a sense of what I can and can't talk about. I like to talk about a lot of things that push people's boundaries, uh, people think, things that people are uncomfortable with. And if you're a chaperoning, that's a pretty conservative viewpoint in modern society. So I'm not against it, but I want to make sure we can all have a good time if we go out. And then I find out it's just to see my reaction. And I actually feel like you've kind of lied to me now. And maybe we're not right for each other. So you fuck off onto the next date. Number four, who would you play? Or who would play you if someone made a movie about your life? Well, that would be up to the casting director. I... Oh, well, there you go. There's some the subcategories. I should read those first. Have you ever been told you look like someone famous? Have you ever met a celebrity? Who was it? And what were the circumstances? Do you have any celebrity autographs or signed pictures? How did you get them? Uh, who would play me? I assume they would actually look for an actor who looks like me. And I have a pretty dull face. So that wouldn't be that hard. Uh, PewDiePie. <laughs> Logan Paul. Some blonde internet guy, because I'm not blonde, actually would be really funny. I think if someone played me, I'd actually want them to look really different from I do, and so they could do some acting. But also, I think I'm a pretty bland character to portray on screen, so this is a bad idea. I actually don't think this uh, spec script would ever get picked up. Have I ever met a celebrity? Technically. Glee, when I was a kid in Canada, there was a show, a Canadian broadcasting company show. It's a kid's show called You Can't Do That on Television. It's actually on Nickelodeon later. And it's, you say, I don't know, in the green slime 
uh, drops on your head. You say water and water dumps on your head. Uh, one of the guys, I believe his name was Alistair, uh, lived in the same city as me and we kind of around the same age and he used to go to clubs and stuff. He was, he was super mod. He had like a Vespa and more like a big black coat and stuff. I, I didn't actually speak to him too much. He seemed fine. I mean, he was, he had money because of this TV show he was on. I think he believed he was like going to be famous and this kid's show was the apex of his career. Uh, but I don't hold that, you know, I hope he's doing well. I didn't, he never said anything bad. And there was a girl on the same show, again, because it was clearly filmed in the city where I lived. And I met her in a bar and I talked for five minutes. I didn't know who it was until after we had parted ways. Do you have any celebrity autographs or signed pictures? I do. I have one, but I never asked for it. Um, I don't really want celebrity autographs or signed pictures. I don't want a picture of a celebrity because I'm just I'm not going to put that up. Uh, how did I get these? Because in Japan they have like placards, and the celebrity will sign it, and they just sign like a hundred or two hundred of those. A famous judo dude gave it to my judo teacher, who then thought it would be nice to give it to me. So I accepted it, but since I can't read it, I actually don't know who it's from. I know he's famous because he did this, but that is literally the upper limit of knowledge I have of this celebrity person whose autograph I have. That is sitting on the floor next to my computer or in amongst some books or something. That is how much I care about celebrity. And that's, you've actually, again, learned something about me. I do not care a great deal for celebrity. Number five, have you ever been in a food fight? What happened? Uh, what happened? How did it get started? Did you think it was funny or did it make you mad? Why? Have you ever been in a food fight? But could be, what food would you throw? I have never been in a food fight. I was there was a food fight that occurred in my high school and there was a girl I found really attractive at the time. I had a crush on her and she knew it. And she, I was walking down the hallway and she was walking towards me and she put her arms out like she wanted a hug and I got real excited. She was like, oh, Peter. And she put her arms out. And so I thought, I'm, you know, this is happening. And I put my arms out to put my arms around her so we could have our first intimate moment of contact. And then she put her head down and pushed her head into my chest and she had mustard on her head and it ruined my shirt. So it didn't make me mad. I was more disappointed. Uh, And I threw that shirt away because we couldn't get the stain out. If you haven't been in a food fight but could be, what food would you throw? I assume it would whatever's readily available. But I actually like eating my food. Like I tend to get pretty good food. So I I don't think I would do that. Who is your least favorite famous person? What would you say to this person if you were to meet him or her? What's your first reaction when you see or hear this person on TV? Again, because of my previous opinions on celebrity, I don't I don't know famous people. So, like I guess it would actually be Trump, but only because I think he's clearly a criminal and not being prosecuted. What would I say to him if I were to meet him or her? I actually have an interesting relationship with people on the opposite political spectrum where I don't say things to them. I ask them questions and I don't argue with them. I just let them explain their point of view to me. And if you just keep asking questions, you start to see sometimes some mental gymnastics. Uh, And I find that fascinating because it actually shows you what's kind of going on in their head to maintain usually this very strict set of ideas that I don't have or share. So it's very easy for me to just keep asking questions, asking questions. And then you can see like they talk themselves into corners. But because I'm not being accusational, 
I'm actually just continually asking questions. They keep talking. And then you can actually see where it ends up, which is usually someplace really weird. Number seven, if you could go on an adventure anywhere in the world for a day, where would you go? Why do you want to go there? How would you spend your time? Would you want to go back home or would you want to try to stay longer? What's your ideal vacation day like? Uh, what did you do last weekend for fun? I work on the weekends on Saturday, so no no fun there. Uh, I play video games and then Sunday, I'm usually doing something with the kids. If I could go on an adventure anywhere in the world for a day, I don't think I'd go. This is the problem also with being old is you just want to relax. Adventure stops being appealing. I can't really tell you when it happened. I was always kind of a homebody. Another reason why I would not be at a speed dating event, to be honest. So I would like to go camping. I would go camp, go up, just hike in uh, mountains or forest for a day. Uh, take Dave out. I like, I like just having... I grew up with dogs and walking my dogs in nature. So for me, the pleasure or the excitement the dog gets infects me with their pleasure and that is pleasurable to me so i would just go hiking in a forest with my family and and dave i guess in this scenario i'm probably single so you me and the dog there was an interesting piece of dating advice i read uh, on japanese twitter and it was if you want to really get to know someone so an excellent first date uh, you should take them hiking because when they get tired they can't keep up the facade anymore and you see what the real person is like. So do they power through? Do they try their hardest? Do they tell you they're tired and they want to go back? Do they give up? Do they start to whine and complain when things get tough? Do they appreciate the things you have or have not done? Do they get super critical? By the end of the hike, you will be seeing more of the real person than the show they're putting on at the beginning of the first date. And I thought that was really interesting because, again, physical exertion breaks down those emotional barriers. And so you just start whining and whining and whining. It's like, I do not want to spend the rest of my life with someone who whines this much over minor inconveniences like walking. So I actually thought that was really good advice. On Ninja News Japan last week, we did also talk about the guy who rode a bicycle past some kids and shouted, don't start a relationship with someone who eats cup ramen. And I interpreted that as someone who isn't willing to put in the effort is not someone who's going to be good in a relationship. But I also concede that some people like cup ramen and I think they should. it's perfectly fair for them to have cup ramen in their life. Number eight, do you believe in hate at first light? Uh, Number eight, do you believe in hate at first sight? Ask this one with a smile or laugh. So, (laughs) do you believe in hate at first sight? Uh, I get what they're saying is like instantaneous emotional reactions. Uh, Do you believe in love at first sight? Why? I don't because you have to get to know someone. I believe, you know, people are attractive. Uh, and you could be very attracted to them, and you could maybe want to have sort of a lustful feeling, but I don't think that's love. And I would feel the same about hate. I don't think I would, I think I'd be like, ooh, that person is off-putting. I don't think I would hate them. And then I would certainly give them an opportunity to change my opinion. Do you believe in magic? No, because it's not real. Has something ever happened to you that you couldn't, that couldn't be explained except as paranormal or ESP? No. I have people who do believe in this stuff, who have tried to convince me or argue with me 
but they're always so factually Spartan that it's never convincing. Uh, I had a, a coworker who gave me, he believes in UFOs and he thinks crop circles are like from UFOs. And the thing is, so the DVD, let's talk, so the DVD was interesting. It was like two documentaries and in the documentaries, they didn't want to say aliens. So they said, they said every other word, energies and feelings and, you know, lights, and then in the last like five minutes, this one guy just broke down. He goes, aliens, it's aliens. The aliens are coming. They're trying to communicate with us. Um, the, the thing is, if an alien were to actually try to communicate with us, it wouldn't be, they wouldn't be trying to make it difficult. They'd want to see like, do we understand simple things? So maybe again, their level of understanding of the universe and the world is so high that we just even can't conceive of uh, what the crop circle is actually trying to say, despite the fact several farmers have come back and said, you know, I just did that for fun. Uh, but I think that aliens would have very little interest in earth. And then, so the, it's narcissistic to think that aliens would take an interest in humanity. We write movies about aliens having this weird regard for us as being special in the universe, but you have to understand the level of narcissism that actually is demonstrating. We are not special. If there are other humanoid aliens in the universe, what are we? We're just like less developed them. So we're not special that way. If they're like different shapes and stuff, uh, we still haven't hit their level of technology. We are cavemen. And we would, as a modern human, you'd be fascinated by a caveman. You might want to study them, but you actually probably wouldn't want to interact with them. You probably wouldn't want to be a part of their society. You probably wouldn't want to bring them into yours because that's probably more trouble than it's worth. Do you believe in ghosts? No, because statistically speaking, uh, if ghosts existed, because a ghost, I assume they mean like an ethereal spirit. Uh, Ethereal spirits do not go away. So over the course of time, let's say 10% of the population that dies every year turns into ghosts. Those ghosts would be cumulative. So here we are in 2021. That's two, Again, let's just take the year zero as the first time ghosts exist. So statistically speaking, we're going to take 20, zero, the year zero up to 2021. 10% of the population dies, they turn into ghosts. Then year two, 10% of the population dies. But now you have like twice as many ghosts. As the population increases, that 10% also increases. So over time, you would have ghosts everywhere. And therefore, you would end up with ghosts as being, by 2021, a relatively common experience. And if it's a relatively common experience, we wouldn't have to ask the question anymore, do you believe in ghosts? Uh, and the last part of this, what would you ask a visiting space alien, someone like E.T.? Now, the thing is, a visiting space alien and E.T. are two very different things. So E.T. Uh, didn't speak. So I would want to touch his finger because I know that that has an impact on you. Uh, and it seemed like it created sort of a connection. And that is maybe how those aliens communicate. But a visiting space alien, I wouldn't, I mean, what would I ask him? I'd ask him about like, is there, does he have technology that could help us or something? Like, like these are very boring answers because I'm taking them seriously. Uh, number nine. So we're getting to the end of the list of 10. What is your best chat up in, in, in brackets pickup line? So I guess this is uh, chat up is sort of UK, British English and pickup is North American. What is my best chat up line? Hello. 
I've actually used lines a couple times in my life when I was a kid and uh, they were awkward and painful where and incredibly insincere. So you're trying to make someone laugh or something. Walk up and just go, hi, you know, I'd like to talk to you or just start talking to them. And if they are not interested, that's fine. Uh, does it work? Hi, it actually works quite well because often you're just talking to them. So the pickup line is actually the issue. I don't believe pickup lines work. Saying hello and talking to someone like they're a real person right in front of you, that does work. Would you ever use that line on me? I probably already did. And what's the worst or cheesiest pickup line you've heard? I can't remember. Because again, I don't use them, so it's not like I'm trying to catalog them in my head. I'm trying to think, and I can't. Because... Yeah, why would you use a pickup line? I know there's... I'm vaguely interested in those guys like pickup artists because they always look like morons. Uh, they're always like flashy dressed. And I don't know, if I was a woman, the peacocking he's doing would actually be a big turnoff for me. But I guess I'm not their target demographic anyways. So last one, number 10. What famous celebrity, living or dead, would you most like to have dinner with and Why? What would you want to talk about? If you could live in any home on a television series, what would it be? I don't see how those are related. What's your favorite commercial and what's your favorite infomercial? Those actually, I can see those not being things anymore. Uh, famous celebrity that I'd like to have dinner with, probably be like Kurt Vonnegut because he's he's written all the books that I, I find interesting. I'd be interested in just like what he has to say. But I bet Kurt Vonnegut doesn't want to talk about literature. And that's the thing, like if you're interested in someone, a celebrity, a musician, I don't know if a musician would always want to talk about music, which is what you would want to talk about. If you're interested in a writer, I bet they don't want to talk about writing all the time because they, they kind of have to, that's their job. So I'd actually want to just pick someone who's a good conversationalist in general instead of picking someone who has like a talent I admire and then asking about that talent, which they've been asked like a billion times before. Because I don't want to bore this famous person that I have an interest in. I do not have a favorite commercial. I don't watch TV anymore. I just, everything's either downloaded or streamed. So I don't really see commercials. What's your favorite infomercial? I can't even conceive of having a favorite infomercial. I don't think I've watched one. They did when I was in university. They had like hot nights ones. And it was, I don't really even remember what it's for. But it was a lot of girls basically in bikinis. I think this was just for people who couldn't get porn. And it was very soft core, like girls walking around. I don't remember. They were selling you something or talking about maybe a lifestyle product. I don't remember what it was. That's how much impact the infomercial had. And then the last one, the golden question. The million dollar question you almost forgot to ask is what's in your fridge? Uh, my fridge is fairly well stocked. So that's, a, again, an odd question. Has anything in your refrigerator been there so long that it's become a unique life form? That's trying to be funny. Uh, the answer is no, because that's disgusting. Does it have a name? No, because it doesn't exist. And what's in your freezer? What's in your freezer and still edible? Everything. Because if it was no longer edible, it would not be in my freezer. Be original and be ready to tell a story about your own fridge embarrassments. I have one that, of course, is not mine because I throw stuff away if it's not, you know, usable i lived in a house with a woman who had a four-year-old son 
and it was so I basically lived in the basement. This was in university, and it was her house. Uh, but I used the kitchen, so I'd make my food and stuff in the kitchen. And then I, she had a freezer and her fridge, and I opened it up. And there was a big jar with an ice ball in the middle, and I said, "Oh, you know, I've seen that there. It's a big jar. It's been there for a long time. The whole time I've been here. What is it?" And she goes, "That's my placenta." And I was like, "Huh? Like, what's the purpose?" of the placenta being in your fridge. And she said, well, there's a tradition where you have the placenta and you plant a tree and you put the placenta to feed the tree and it sort of represents your child and strength in the, in the earth and stuff. It was all very hippie stuff, which again, not a problem. Uh, but again, as I said at the beginning, the child was about four or five years old at this point. So when you get to that point... You're either never going to do it or you should just do it now or you should have. Like I assume that this was something that should have been done early in the process of having a child. That thing had to be in the fridge for years. And again, it had a big ice ball in the middle. That ice had just been like forming and getting and growing. That's not embarrassing for me. It was just kind of gross and I stopped using, even though it was perfectly sealed, I, I did shy away from the freezer. But again, I also was a university student, so I was buying food and then eating that food. That was a pretty normal process for me. Uh, there are some tips. So you can control during your conversations. I think they left out a, a keep. So you can keep control during your conversations by keeping this question list visible on your phone. Like I said, there's nothing more attractive than trying to have a conversation with someone who's using their phone and looking at their phone and their questions are coming from their phone to tell you that they are not interested in you as a person. Uh, pick out your top three favorite questions rather than trying to ask all 10 each time. Some questions work better with a different guy. Of course, you're not going to know that without experimentation. Um, I have learned from this one thing. And it is unlikely that I would be successful at speed dating. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube slash Velocipodcast or streaming on twitch.tv slash chest. You can find Ninja News Japan on Facebook. Send questions or comments to speakpipe.com Velocipodcast. Link in the description. Check out all the podcasts in the Velocipodcast family. See McBee, Ninja News Japan and Daily Affirmations Weekly. What did you do last weekend? What was your best weekend this year? What kind of music do you like? What was the last CD you bought? What song best sums you up? What kind of movies do you like? What is your favorite film? Who is your favorite actor actress? What is your favorite TV program? What do you do for fun? Are you a night owl or an early bird? What book are you reading at the moment?